Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we can gather in this way this morning with the freedom that our country gives us to do this. We're thankful for your word, and we pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word as is shared with us. As Lauren prepares or as he delivers this message, he's prepared. May you give him understanding, give him um, mouth to speak. May his thoughts come clearly that your truth would be given to us again. We could accept it. We could receive it and put our faith in you that our faith would, would grow. We thank you for your spirit and your presence here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. each one in Christ's name again this morning, and I'm grateful that you have chosen to gather to worship the Lord here with us today. For a message today, I've chosen to look at a story from the Old Testament. Um, this story is about Elisha and his servant, and when they faced a situation that looked very daunting and overwhelming. So this morning, I invite you to turn um, for a text to 2 Kings 6. I'll be reading a a portion of this chapter, and as we look at this chapter, there's a few characters that I want to draw some lessons from and see what parallels we can draw to our lives today. We won't be looking in depth at all these characters, um, but I think there's a few here that uh, we'll take the time to look at and um, see what we can glean from their lives and what we can apply to our lives today. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to be reading, um, starting at verse 8, verse 8 of 2 Kings 6, and then I'll be reading to verse 23. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they which be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto him, unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. 
But he led them to Samaria, and it came to pass when they were coming to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with the sword and with the bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he, pre and he, he prepared great provisions for them when they had eaten and drunk. He sent them away, and they went to their master. So the band of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. <clears throat> So we see in this story that they had, were facing insurmountable odds here as Elisha and his servants woke up to find the army of, the, of Syria surrounding them. But we see that how God performed a great deliverance. And so the three main characters that I want to look at today are the king of Syria. We want to look at him a little bit. And then we want to look at the man of God, Elisha, and the servant of Elisha. So we, first of all, let's look at the king of Syria. It says he came and warred against the king of, against Israel. He counseled with his servants. You know, they were planning their military strategy, how they were going to defeat the nation of Israel. They made plans to trap them and to take them down. They wanted to bring death, destruction, and defeat to the country of Israel. They wanted to take spoil and as I was thinking about that, I, you know, how can we apply that to our lives today? And so I think today for us, we need to be very aware that there is an enemy and an adversary in our lives that wants to do the same to us. Just as the king of Syria came to defeat the nation of Israel, so there is a na there's an adversary that would like to do the same to us. And so as we think about our adversary my mind went to 1 Peter 5.8 where it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking who, whom he may devour. So we see there's a similar strategy between these, like the, the king of Assyria applied to his strategy, so that Satan is devising ways that he can defeat us. So as children of God, we need to be very thoughtful about how we live our lives. We need to be watchful. It says be vigilant. That reminds me of, you know, being on guard, being, you know, watching our every move. My mind went to, um, some of you are deer hunters, and maybe you don't use this tactic at all, but when you're, when you're still hunting through the woods, every step counts. You have to watch out that you don't step on a dry twig, that it snaps and warns the deer that you're coming. <clears throat> You need to constantly be looking about that you don't make a mistake and your quarry sees you first. You need to act rather quickly. And my dad and brother do a much better job at this than I do. They seem to be very successful at this, and I don't. I guess I'm just not watchful and careful enough, but they seem to be very successful at using this. You have to react quickly as things happen. So we need to be watchful. We need to be on guard but as we go through our Christian life, we are not faced with one that is flesh and blood. You know, our enemy is not our fellow man. You know, it's not the person that irritates us. It's not the pe people that have beliefs that are different than ours that are our enemy. It's not our earthly government leaders. 
or those who are removing the name of God from our culture. These are people like us that simply need to be shown the love of God. Our enemy is Satan, and sometimes our enemy is even ourselves. Our sinful heart is our enemy, and we need to allow God to renew our hearts to move, so that we can be moved closer to God. Our real enemy is Satan. You know, he comes to do battle in our hearts and minds. It's the wickedness that can creep into our lives. So we cannot walk carefully if we are to be victorious over this enemy. As that verse says, we need to live soberly. We need to live in sobriety, level-headed and wise, not walking through life flippantly. You know, as the Israelites faced this enemy, I'm sure they were very careful about where they went and what they did. If we knew there was an enemy army in our neighborhood, we would be on guard that we would not make mistakes and fall into their hands. And so this conflict is messy and brings hardship. We can, you know... Sometimes we believe if we surrender our hearts to God that life is going to be easy. We have, God is going to make things easy for us. But we can see in 2 Timothy 3.12 that that's not the case. It says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And as we pursue the ways of God, there will, become, there will be difficult times. Satan will attempt to discourage us, and he will try to distract and disable you from this battle. You know, when we, re- when we accept this reality, it changes our perspective. And I really appreciated how we kind of, we were talking about that somewhat this morning. Thomas, in his devotions, talked about our perspective of God. And, you know, also as the leaders of Israel, their perspective, how that hindered them from accepting Jesus. So as we accept the perspective that life you know, as a, as a follower of God will be difficult. It can help us to accept the help that God gives us. also want to look at 1 Peter 4, 12 to 16, and I'm going to turn to that and read, read that passage of Scripture. It also talks about this, this subject a little bit, about the fiery trials that can come our way. 1 Peter chapter 4, I'll be reading verses 12 through 16. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is spoken, evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other matters. Yet if any man suffer as Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory, glorify God on this behalf. <clears throat> so we see here that the Apostle Peter is telling us that these fiery trials are not to be seen as something unusual, but they are something that is to develop our character um, in, in our Christian walk. But we also caution that not all suffering is uh, because of doing good. There are things that we can suffer reproach for that are not of God. And we see that in verse 15. As we are, you know, sometimes we do wrong, we suffer for that, and that is not of God. But as 
we do things for God, there are times that we will suffer reproach for that. But we are called to consider that a joy and a privilege to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And also in John 15, 20, Jesus tells us that they persecuted him, therefore they will persecute us. And to expect to go through life not being persecuted is to think ourselves better than Jesus Christ. And I think we would all um, readily admit that we are not better than Jesus. So this can look um, maybe scary or daunting at times to think about the trials that come our way. But as we look further into this story, there is there's a, a glorious deliverance from that as we are willing to be men and women of God. So the next character I want to look at is called the man of God, the prophet Elijah. And he is his story is woven throughout this chapter where he, he plays many different roles in this story. And the first thing he does is he thwarts the attack of the Syrian king. God reveals to him what the Syrian king is planning, and he goes to the king of Israel and, and warns him to not set up his camp there. And at the end of verse 10, it says he saves himself there not once nor twice. It says not only once or twice did he do this, but many times. And it got to the point that the king of Syria was afraid there was a spy in their own camp. He said the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his men together and said, who views the spy here? And obviously, one of his servants, one of his advisors, had a, must have had a connection to the children of Israel somehow that he knew that this was Elisha. This was not someone spying, but it was the prophet Elisha. So the man of God here had a strong connection to God, and he was able to warn the king of Israel. He was able to save the children of Israel, from harm because of this. So I want to think about that as in our lives today. You know, as we are men and women of God, we can, we can warn others about the traps that Satan sets for us. You know, thinking back to 1 Peter 5, 8 there, where it tells us to be vigilant and to be sober and to be on guard. And that is what the man of God is to do. You know, we don't want to see our brothers and sisters defeated in their Christian walk. And Scripture numerous times mentions how the believer is to warn his fellow brothers and sisters against sinful living. Well, not only do we as children of God be, are, not only are we called to do that, but we're also called to receive truth. And you know, there's going to be times when we also need to receive the truth in our life. You know, it's easy, um, as we talked about a little bit in our Sunday school lesson this morning, it's easy when someone tells us a story or a parable about um, someone else or another situation, it's easy to pick out the wrongdoing in that story. But, as was also mentioned, we have blind spots in our own lives. And so we need to be willing to receive that warning from other men of God. The man of God also provides wise counsel. You know, we're numerous times there also reminded in the New Testament that we are to encourage each other. We're called to exhort each other and to um, help each other out on 
the, this road of life. Second Timothy 2.24 speaks of this. It says, not striving, but teaching in meekness and patience. We are called as children of God to teach and train in meekness and patience. So I want to look a little bit about how do we become a man of God? How do we become this, a child of God who can be this type of person? In 1 Timothy 6.11, there's some good direction for us as we seek to be this type of person. Verse 11 says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Here Paul's warning us to flee away from things. You're supposed to run as fast as you can. If you were, you know, the, the word, when we use the word flee, we think of uh, running as hard as we can. And it reminds me of, um, you know, I go to the barn at about 4 o'clock in the morning, and as I was going down the road the other morning, a fox jumped out on the road in front of me. And there were snowbanks on either side, so he had nowhere to go. And so he was running as fast as he can, he could. He was just, he was just had the afterburners on, and... You know, I, that's the picture I get when we think about fleeing. He eventually gave up and jumped into the, the snowy field, and he slowed down pretty quickly. But, you know, he was fleeing, and I, this is the picture we should get in our minds as we think of Paul warning us about fleeing. And so I think we should consider the context here. What is it that we are fleeing from? In the previous verses, he was talking about, he says, the love of money a desire to be wealthy, and believing that wealth is godliness. You know, that can take very many different shapes and, and forms. But essentially, being focused on the materialistic things of this world, we are to turn and go the opposite way, which is we are instead supposed to seek out righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. And as we do those things, we will become men and women of God. And also in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is talking to Timothy about his growing up years when he studied the scripture, and he's telling him to continue in that. So we need to continue and immerse ourselves in the study of God's word, and that will help us become a stable and balanced person, and it will help us to be the person that God desires us to be. So moving on, I want to look at um, the response to hardships that come our way. And we see this um, in verse 15. Here we see two, two different responses to this hardship. The first one we want to look at is the response of the servant. It says when the, the servant of the man of God was risen early in the morning and, and gone out. So I get the picture here. This, this servant, he got up early. He was an early riser and he went and walked out maybe his morning walk. And he was met by this, this um, sight that scared him. He said, he said alas, he was, like, he was in disbelief and shock and utterly dismayed. And we can read this story in a few seconds. We go from his shock and surprise to Elisha's solution to the problem. But I think if we stop and consider a little bit, you know, if we were living in the town of Dundee, woke up early one morning and went for our morning walk, and the town was completely surrounded by a Russian army with tanks and artillery pieces and, you know, aircraft flying overhead, I think we can maybe get a small picture of the hopelessness that this servant felt. And, you know, this would indeed be a shocking discovery. And this, this enemy came to them with horses and chariots. 
which, you know, seem a little silly to us maybe today, horses and chariots, but in their day, that was a sign of, you know, force and intimidation. If you were a foot soldier and there was a team of horses and a chariot bearing down you, that was a intimidating show of force. So not only was there horses and chariots, but there was a vast host of, of soldiers that were surrounding the city. You know, this was a reality for Elisha's servant that morning. He came out and saw that, and it struck fear in his heart. He was dismayed, you know, to find this, and it looked like they were hopelessly overrun by this army. And so he, he responded to this in, you know, despair and fear and hopelessness. You know, as, as the kind of like the children of Israel, when they came to the Red Sea, they, you know, they were responded in a very similar fashion. You know, why did we even come out here? You know, in our humanity, we can sympathize with these feelings of despair. You know, maybe for some of us here this morning, we're feeling that way about a situation in our life. You know, it feels like it's out of control, and we are about to be overrun by the circumstances coming at us. But this servant, he was wise, and he went to the man of God for help. And I think that's um, a good thing for us to consider this morning. If we find ourselves in a place in our place in our lives that we're encountering a similar situation, don't try to face it alone. Go to someone, reach out to a person of God, someone who has a deep connection to God and can bring clarity to your circumstances. You know, we need to turn to prayer and be honest with the Lord about our struggles and surrender them to him. And we need to be grounded in scripture you know, there's no other source like Scripture to help us through these difficult situations. So how did Elisha respond to his life and safety being threatened? You know, for him, it could have been a time of discouragement as well. As he, you know, thought about, he was doing good in helping out his country. He was doing good in warning his fellow uh, Israelites about the danger, and he was protecting them from the attacks of the Syrian army. And yet God was allowing this foreign army to come and surround him. But we see Elisha here setting a great example for us to follow when we come face to face with these difficult circumstances. He tells his servant, fear not. And, you know, fear comes to us in many different ways. And I think uh, most of us, I'm guessing all of us, struggle with this in one way or one area or another in our lives. Fear can come to us in so many different ways. But when we put our lives in the hands of God, it removes fear from our lives. And in 1 John 4.18, John talks about that. He says, perfect love casts out fear. When we have perfect or complete is also the word that's used for perfect love in our hearts. There is not room for fear. When we are living with hearts of love for God, we, are, <clears throat> we will live out the commands of Scripture, and therefore God dwells with us. Therefore, we do not need to fear God anymore. When we are living with a heart of love for other people, that also removes the fear of other people from our lives. Fear is when we focus on ourselves, and so when we remove that, when we replace that with love and compassion, we replace it with love for God, and love for other people, it can remove that. And so like Elisha and many other times in Scripture, we see God telling people to fear not. 
we also need to replace that fear with love for God, first of all, and then for others. And it shifts the focus from myself and focuses it on God and other people. Elisha also recognized the power and protect power and protection of God. And this also um, removes the fear from daunting situations like this. The scriptures are filled with promises of God being our protected, protector, and we could spend a lot of time finding these verses. We, we won't turn to them this morning, but Elisha had a very real sense of who God was and who his kingdom was. He realized that God's army and God's power was much greater than the Syrian army. And for someone who had such a close connection to God and had a heavenly perspective like this, this army looked very small indeed. He saw that God's power was much greater than any earthly army could, ha- uh, could produce. And then Elisha turns to prayer. And first of all, he prayed for his servant. And he prayed for his servant that God would open his eyes. He prayed that God would reveal the God, the army, to his servant and so that he could see the power of God. God had not forsaken them, but he was there protecting them from the Syrian army. And I think there's many times when we are in a similar situation to this servant that we do not realize what God is doing behind the scenes. We are unaware of the effects of the prayers of other people. You know, we've heard stories numerous times of when someone was in a very scary situation and it turned out well and they later found out that there was somebody that was praying for them. And maybe even the other people that were trying to do harm later um, tell the story of how they saw um, God's protectors there. So Elisha turned to, to prayer. He prayed that God would open the eyes of his servants. And I think that's a prayer that we should pray for each other and for ourselves, that God would continue to open our eyes to his goodness and his greatness. Elisha also prayed that God would be their deliverer. He appealed to the power of God to bring about their deliverance. And the way he prayed that God would do this was to blind the eyes of the enemy. So the same power that opened the eyes of the righteous man was the same power that blinded the eyes of the wicked. No, I think that's a good reminder for us that as we seek God and we seek to know his commands, he will continue to reveal more and more truth to those that are righteous and that are seeking out righteousness. But I think as our, you know, as we see the scenario playing out over and over again in our Sunday school lessons recently, as we shut our hearts to God, he will continue to blind, to allow us to be more and more blinded to the truth. And then another response of Elisha's is that he showed kindness to his enemies. And I think this really shows the wisdom and kindness of Elisha's character here. He brought about peace between these two warring countries by showing kindness. He could have led, well, he did lead those soldiers to the opposing army's king, and he could have allowed them to be destroyed, but he said, do not destroy them, but instead feed them. He saw that, you know, this would bring about peace instead of more war. 
And I think it's pretty, pretty telling. In verse 23, it says that they prepared great provisions. They didn't just give them a little bit of moldy bread and water and send them away. They didn't skimp on this meal. They were, had lots of food. And I think here we see the principle of love casting out fear at work again. When these people were willing to show kindness and love, I'm sure, you know, as they, this meal was a large meal. It says it was a great meal, and so it probably took some time to repair. And as these men were interacting with each other and loving each other, that cast out fear. As we allow love to work amongst ourselves, it can cast out fear. You know, as these Syrian armies were shown love and kindness instead of death and destruction, they it changed their hearts and they went back to their home country. And we do well to learn from the example of Elisha in how we relate to those who can uh, make our lives difficult at times. <clears throat> So as we, as we wrap this up here this morning, I just want to look at a few passages yet that, um, you know, as I think about the example of, of the eyes of the servant being open, how can we also have our eyes open to the greatness of God in his kingdom and walk with clarity in, in God's ways? The reference that I would like to read is 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 11 gives us some good pointers on how to have our eyes open to the ways of God. Starting reading in verse 3, According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these things ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly love, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and had forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we see here in these verses that there's a few things that can help bring clarity and to our vision. It says faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience. And these things help us to see reality more clearly. And as I was thinking about this, um, there's, there's certain, you know, when they're racing cars sometimes, they have what they call tear-off. You know, each time they stop for to get new tires and fuel, there's a tab they grab and they tear off a layer of on the windshield, and it again gives them clear vision. So I think about as I thought about that, I thought this compares well with this. You know, as we practice patience, as we practice godliness, we get a better, clearer vision of God's kingdom. 
It reveals more truth to us, and we get a better picture of the ways of God. But as we practice the opposite, it says that we become blind. We cannot see very far, and we forget the person that we were. We go back into our old ways. But as we practice these things of God, as we practice patience, as we practice virtue and temperance, I really liked verse 11. A result of that is, so an entrance can be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we think about that, you know, in Genesis, Adam and Eve were cut off from God, and they were cut off from the tree of life. But as we allow these things to be at work in our lives, as we practice these things, we can again have an entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We can again have access to that tree of life that was cut off in the Garden of Eden. Also, 1 John 2, 10 and 11 talks about us loving our brother. It says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walk is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goes, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Here we see in these verses that when we allow the darkness of unloving attitudes to creep into our hearts and minds, we will become blinded and we will find it difficult to walk in the way of life. And as we think about walking down the, the path of God, you know, there's a lot of light there. But as we step off of that, as we start to allow the wrong things to come into our life, it gets darker and darker, and, it, and we find it hard to find our way in life. And as I was thinking about that verse, you know, maybe, maybe I was being a little bit like the lawyer who asked, who is my neighbor in this story, the Good Samaritan? The question that can come to mind is, who is my brother? Maybe you want to condense down who's our brother. But I think we need to include, our, our brother should include everyone, not just a select people that are easy to love. We need to love everyone. And that will bring clarity um, to our life in, in many situations. So in closing, as we consider this lessons that this story teaches us, I think it's just good for us to be aware that we have a very real adversary that is dis- desires to see us be defeated. And you know, it's also vital that we are ever growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ and allow him to bring clarity to our vision uh, in, in what is happening in our life. And this can come from studying scripture. It comes from, from practicing and living out the commands of God in our daily lives and allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to bring change to our hearts and minds. And then as Elisha's servant had his eyes open, so our eyes can be open to more truths of God. You know, we should allow God to peel away the things that blind us and allow us to see the reality of who he is and what he desires us to be in our life. And my prayer for each one of us this morning is that we could continue to experience the work of the Lord in our lives and that we could see his greatness more fully. With these thoughts in mind, let's kneel for a word of prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we 
bow before you this Lord's Day, and we are grateful that you are a loving God, you are a caring God, you protect us, you keep us as we surrender our hearts and lives to you. And Father, I just pray that this morning as we open our hearts to you, that our eyes could be open to the reality of your kingdom, the reality of who you are, and what you desire for our lives. I just pray you continue to help us to walk in your ways and walk in ways of light and love. I just pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.